This exhortation was brought to you by the Light Bearers, bringing light until there's no more darkness. Abundance. Today I'm going to be talking to us about supernatural abundance. But you see, before I go deep into supernatural abundance, I will first talk to us about the essence of fellowshipping with God. I'm going to talk to us about the essence and the importance of fellowshipping and working with God. But the broad topic for today is the supernatural abundance. Now, first thing I want to talk to us about the essence, the importance of fellowshipping and working with God. Now, fellowship is all that God requires of us. That's all that God demands of us. Everything that God desires of man is fellowship. All that God desires from us, all that he requests from us, that he demands from us is fellowship. And fellowship is like communication with God, a relationship with God, interaction with God. So all that God wants from us, all that God desires from us is interaction with him, creating time to have to talk to him, to interact with him, to reason with him, to talk things out with him. And so today I'm going to be talking to us about supernatural abundance and starting from the essence of fellowshipping and working with God. Now, 2 Chronicles chapter 14 from verse 8. 2 Chronicles chapter 14. 2 Chronicles chapter 14 verse, from verse 8. We are going to read from verse 8 to verse 15, which is the last verse of 2 Chronicles chapter 14. And then we are going to read into chapter 15 to verse 4. So we are going to be reading from 2 Chronicles chapter 14 verse 8 down to 2 Chronicles chapter 15 verse 4. Now, I'm talking to us about supernatural abundance, but I'm going to start from the point of the essence, the importance of fellowshipping and working with God. And so we're going to be starting from 2 Chronicles chapter 14 verse 8, and we're going to read it down to 2 Chronicles chapter 15 verse 4. Now, 2 Chronicles chapter 14 verse 8. Now, in this chapter, one of the things we realize is the fact that Asa was the king of Judah. And at this time, some enemies came against Judah. And so from verse 8, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 8, And Asa had an army of men that bear targets and spell out of Judah, 300,000, and out of Benjamin that bear shoes and drew bows, 204,000. All these were mighty men of valor. And they came up against them, Zerah the Ethiopian, with an host of a thousand thousand and three hundred chariots, and came unto Marisha. Then Asher went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephata at Marisha. And Asher cried unto the Lord his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee. And in thy name we go against this multitude, O Lord, thou art God. Let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto Jerah. And the Ethiopians were overthrown, that they could not recover themselves. For they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away very much spoil. And they smote all the cities round about Jera, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. They smote also the tents of cattle, and carried away sheep and camels in abundance, and returned to Jerusalem. Now, one of the things you realize from verse 8 of 2 Chronicles chapter 14 is the fact that the Bible says that after the king of Judah 
had an army of men that bear targets and spears, out of Judah 300,000, and out of Benjamin that bear shoes and do bows, 204,000, and all these were mighty men of valor. But something happened. The Bible says in verse 9 that there came out against Judah, Zareh the Ethiopian, with an oath of a thousand thousand, which is a million, and 300 chariots. So the Bible says that Zareh the Ethiopian came out with an oath of a million and 300 chariots, and came on to Marisha. Then after the king of Judah went out against him, and they set battle in array in the valley. And so Zareh the Ethiopian came out with a chariot of a million and three hundred. And Asa also had his own army, but they were not up to that number of the Ethiopians. And so the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 11, that after the king of Judah cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with you to help, whether with many or with them that have no power, because he realized that the number of the chariots of Ethiopians that came upon them was too much for them. And so the Bible says in verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 14, that Asa cried unto the Lord God and said, Lord, it is nothing with you to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art God, let not man prevail against thee. And the Bible lets us know in verse 12, that the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asher and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And in verse 13, the Bible says, And Asher and the people that were with him pursued them unto Gerah, and the Ethiopians were overthrown, that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host, and they carried away very much spoil. So the Bible lets us know that Asa and the children of Judah, that the Lord smote the Ethiopians, and Asa and the children of Judah pursued them unto Gerah. And the Bible says the Ethiopians were overthrown, and that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host. And the Bible says the children of Judah carried away very much spoil. And in verse 14, the Bible says, And they smote all the cities round about Gerah. For the day of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities. For there was exceeding much spoil in them. So they didn't just defeat the Ethiopians, they spoiled them. They took their resources, poured them of all their resources. And the Bible says, even all the cities that surrounded Gerah, where they pursued the Ethiopians and destroyed them. The Bible says, the fear of the Lord came upon all those cities round about, and they spoiled all those cities. For there was exceeding much spoil in them. So they were able to rip up those cities of all their resources. In verse 15, the Bible says they smote also all the tents of the cattle, carried away sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. So, the Ethiopians came against the children of Judah. Asher cried unto the Lord and told God that it is nothing with God to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. And God helped them. God smote the Ethiopians. They pursued the Ethiopians to Jera. They spoiled them. Those ones could not recover themselves. They destroyed them, took all their resources. All these cities that surrounded Jera, the Bible says the fear of the Lord came upon them. The children of Judah spoiled all those cities, took away abundance from them. But you see, this story doesn't stop there. And this is where I'm going to. The essence of the fellowshipping with God, the importance of working with God. Because now, Asa cried unto the Lord as the king of Judah. The same way many times as believers, we cry unto God for certain things. We have needs, we have wants, and we cry unto God for those things. And God is able to meet all our needs. God is able to supply all our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. But you see, there's something I want to show us that emphasizes the importance of working with God and not just wanting to get things from God. And you realize that what God really wants is a relationship with him. Now, if you go further to chapter 15, a continuum of the story. In verse 1, the Bible says, after they had spoiled these Ethiopians, 
spoiled all the cities that surrounded Gerard. The Bible says in verse 15 of chapter 14 that they returned to Jerusalem. They brought in a lot of abundance. They returned to Jerusalem. Now, chapter 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 15 from verse 1. The Bible says, And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Odeh. Now, you'll be wondering, after they have gotten this victory, what does God want to say? Because the Bible says, after they returned to Jerusalem, the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Odeh. Now, you begin to see what is important to God. And you see in verse 2, the Bible says, And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all you that ye be with him. The Lord is with you, what found of you. But if ye, for a long season, Israel has been without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without law. But when they, but when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel, and sought him, he was found of them. Now, look at this. There is a battle, there is a war. Their enemies have come against them. The Ethiopians have come against them. Now, these Ethiopians were more than them in number. They had more strength. Now, Asa cries unto God and says to God that God, you are able to help us. Whether with many, even if we are not many, whether with many or with them that have no power, you are able to help us. God helped them. God destroyed the Ethiopians. He destroyed the Ethiopians before them. They pursued the Ethiopians. They spoiled them. They spoiled all the cities around Gera. They returned to Jerusalem with abundance. Now, the Spirit of God then comes upon Azariah, the son of Oden. And he goes out to meet Asa and, the old, and all Judah and Benjamin and says to them, The Lord is with you. Now, this is God speaking to a man. He says, The Lord is with you. Why will you be with him? Now, you begin to ask yourself, Why is God saying this? Because God realizes that every time they are in trouble, they find a way to reach out to God. But God is trying to emphasize to them the fact that it is not just about me giving you things. I want a relationship with you. I want you to have a walk with me. I want to have an interaction with you. So I don't just, I don't just want to be the God that you call upon in your times of trouble. I want to be a God that you call upon day and night. A God that you seek after, that you follow after. And so God begins to say through Azariah, the son of God, he says, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you. Why will ye be with him? In other words, God is always available. He says, The Lord is with you. Why you are with him? God is always ready available. God is always ready to help. He's always available. But you see, many times we only reach out to him when we are in need, when we are in want. But you see, God is saying that I'm always available. So God begins to say to Asa, the children of Judah and Benjamin, that look at it. I'm with you once you are with me. That's why the Bible says, James says in James chapter 4, verse 7, he says that, draw nigh to God. The first says, submit yourself to God, receive the devil and he will flee from you. And then he says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. In other words, as you draw nigh to God, automatically God is drawing nigh unto you. Because God's position is constant. And so, God begins to say to us and the children of Judah, that now I've gotten you a victory. But you see, I'm always available. He says, the Lord is with you, why he be with you? And if you seek him, he will be found of you. In other words, he's emphasizing fellowship to them. He's emphasizing the fact that he wants to have a relationship with them. And he doesn't just want to be meeting their needs. He doesn't just want to be the God that meets their needs in the time of trouble. He wants them to have an interaction with him. Now he goes for that. He says in verse 2, he says, Now for a long season, Israel has been without the true God, and without a teaching priest, and without the law. 
But in verse 4 it says, But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. So at every time when they were in trouble, when they sought God, he was found of them. But God begins to say to Isaiah, the son of God, that I'm always available. I'm with you once you are with me. If you seek me, you will find me. In other words, he's saying that come, it's not just about this victory you have gotten. Don't get distracted by the spoil. Don't get distracted by the abundance. But I want you to know that the most important thing is in relationship me because once you look for me you will find me i'm always available and you say you begin to hear the psalmist say in psalm 46 verse 1 you know psalm 46 verse 1 the psalmist says that god is our refuge and our fortress he calls it a very present help in trouble in other words he calls god a very present help god is always available you know he doesn't just call him a present help he calls him a very present help emphasizing god's availability god is never far from us he is a very present help you know god also says in Hebrews chapter 13 he says that i will never leave you nor forsake you that you might both be saved that the lord is my helper and i shall not tell what man shall do unto me so god says he will never give us nor forsake us so that we can both be saved that the lord is our helper but you see he doesn't just want us Come and let us reason together. Let us talk things out. Let us fellowship. Let's interact. He says, Come and let us reason together. He says that though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So God begins to say to Prophet Isaiah, He says, Come now. Come now. Let us reason together. Come. God is saying to us, Come now. Reach out to me. Come and let us reason. Let's interact together. Emphasizes the importance of fellowship. Now, he goes further in verse 19. He says, If you be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. In other words, God is saying that if you are willing to communicate with me, if you are willing to reason with me, and you are obedient, you will eat the good of the land. So God says, come now and let us reason together. Let us talk things out. Let's interact. Let's have fellowship together. Now, if you go further to Matthew chapter 6, you see Jesus also emphasized the same thing. Matthew chapter 6, from verse 31 to 34. Matthew chapter 6, very popular scripture from verse 31 to 34. And so you realize that God didn't want the children of Judah and after the king of Judah to be distracted by the abundance they brought back, by the spoil or by the victory. He begins to say to them through Isaiah, son of Odin, he begins to say to them that the Lord is with you while you are with him, that if you seek him, you will find him. It's not just about calling upon him in the day of trouble. God is always available. God wants you to interact with him, to have a relationship with him. Now, Matthew chapter 6 from verse 31 to 33. Look at what Jesus begins to say here. He says, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Verse 32, he says, For after these things will the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. He says, For seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. He says, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself, Sufficient unto the day is the thereof. Now, Jesus begins to share from verse 1. He says, Take no thought, saying, Take no thought what you shall eat or what you shall drink, or where with that shall we be clothed. And this is the same thing in Isaiah, where he begins to say that if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the food of the land. In other words, he says, If you are willing and obedient, if you are willing to reason with God, because the preceding verse says, Come now, let us reason together, let us interact together, let us have fellowship, let's interact, let's communicate. And so he says here that take no thought. What you shall eat, what you shall drink, or where with us you shall be clothed. He says, For after all these things will be nations seek. For your heavenly father knows that ye have need of all these things. 
But he said, seek you first the kingdom of God. In other words, he said, seek you first the rulership of God, the dominion of God, and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. In other words, God is saying to us that, seek me, seek fellowship, go after me. Do you understand? And that's what God began to say to that, as I had the son of Odette. He began to say to the children of Judah, that the Lord is nigh you, the Lord is with you while you are with him. That God will be found of you if you seek him. That if you seek him, he will be found of you. So it's not just about calling upon him in the door of trouble. It's about having a relationship with him. So Jesus begins to say here to that, take note of what you shall eat, what you shall drink, what you shall wear. He says, for all these things, after these things, do the nations seek. But it says, your heavenly Father, God knows that we have need of these things. And it goes like, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So he says, to us, seek God's dominion in your life. Seek God's rulership in your life and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Now, Psalm 37. Psalm 37. The book of Psalms, chapter 37. Psalm 37. Psalm 37, we are going to read from verse 1. To 11 Psalm 37 Psalm 37 now I begin I began to tell us that today I'm talking to us about supernatural abundance but I started with the with the importance of working with God the essence of fellowshipping with God and one of these I'm trying to show us is the fact that fellowshipping with God working with God is the most important thing and that's what God began to say to Azariah to the children of Judah after they got that victory over their enemies and they came back with spoils in abundance God begins to say to them that I will be found of you if you seek me. I'm with you while you are with me. If you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. I'm readily available. I want to have an interaction, a relationship with you. Like Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says, come and let us reason together. Let's interact. And it says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Matthew chapter 6 verse 1 to 34. He begins to say that, that you, we should take note of what we wear, what we eat, what we drink. That after this, this nation seeks. But our Heavenly Father knows that we have need of this thing. For he says we should seek Christ, God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto us. Now, Psalm 37, we're going to read from verse 1. It says, Fret not thyself because of evil doers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and wither as the green earth. Verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. So shall thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be dead. Verse 4, he says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. Verse 5, he says, commit your way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now, one of the things you notice is the fact that from verse 3, he says, trust in the Lord and do good. So shall thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be there. In other words, he says, you will not be hungry. He says that trust in the Lord and do good. He says, so shall thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. You know that was his saying? It's like God is beating his chest and saying, you will be fed. You will not be hungry. That trust in the Lord and do good. And he says, you will dwell in the land, and verily. You know that was it's like God is beating his chest and saying, you will surely be fed. You will never be hungry. He says, verily thou shalt be fed. He doesn't ask for the impact. He says, delight yourself also in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. And this is part of fellowship. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. In other words, he says, take delight in fellowshipping with God. Take delight in interacting with him. And God will give you the desires of your heart. In verse 5, he says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Verse 6, he says, and he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noon day. Verse 7, he says, rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospered in his way, 
because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. He says, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Bless not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evil doers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Now, look at what the psalmist begins to say here. I begin to say from verse 3 that we should trust in the Lord and do good, and that we will dwell in the land and very be beset. We will never be hungry. He goes in verse 4, he says, delight yourself also in the Lord. Delight yourself in walking with God. Delight yourself in interacting and fellowshiping with God. And God will give you the desires of your heart. He says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him and He will bring it to pass. Now, verse 7, he says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Verse 9, he says, for evil doers shall be cut off, but those that will wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit that. What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? He says, those that wait upon the Lord, that's verse 9 of Psalm 37. He says, evil doers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, he says, they shall inherit the earth. In other words, that's why the Bible says that the heaven is the Lord, but the earth has it given to the children of men. He says, those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. In other words, those that fellowship with God, those that delight themselves in the Lord, those that are willing and obedient, he says they will we inherit yet. No wonder Isaiah began to say in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 30 and 31, he says that even the youth shall faint, young men shall fall exhausted, young men shall utterly fall. For those that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. They will mount up with wings and eagles. They will run, they will not be weary. They will walk and they will not faint. You know, at this point, I just want us to begin to declare in the name of Jesus that we delight ourselves in the Lord and He gives us the desires of our, heart, of our heart. In the name of Jesus, we wait upon the Lord and we inherit we take the light in the Lord. In the name of Jesus, we fellowship with God day and night. We reason with the Lord. And it's important that we focus on fellowship. You know, a man of God I respect so much, he says that what God wants to give in your life is not a job. What God wants to give in your life is not a car. What God wants to give in your life is not a house. What God wants to give in your life is not a healing or money. But that what God wants to give is the word of God in your spirit. That because the word of God will make you what it talks about. In other words, God doesn't want to give you a job. God doesn't want to give you a car or a house or money or healing. God wants to give you his word. Because his word will produce all those things. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. All things were created by the word of God. And so the man of God says that God doesn't want to give you a job. He doesn't want to give you healing. He doesn't want to give you a car or a house. What he wants to give you is the word of God in your spirit. He wants to give you his word. He wants you to sit down with his word. He wants you to interact with his word. Because that is what will make you what he talks about. And so because his word says by his life you are healed. His word says you cannot be poor. His word says the blessing of God make everything and added no sorrow. You know, the word of God will eventually produce all those results. So instead of focusing on healing, instead of focusing on a car, or on a house, or on a job, or on money, he says focus on the word of God. God's word will produce all those results. And so that's the essence of fellowship. The fact that instead of focusing on abundance, we focus on having a relationship with God. And that's what God began to say to, to Azariah, the son of Odette. After they got that victory, the king of Judah and, and, and the children of Judah, after they got that victory, God begins to say to them that I'm, I'm with you while you are with me. That if you seek me, you will find me. It's not just about me giving you this victory. It's not just about the abundance. I want to have a relationship with you. Come and let us reason together. If you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Delight yourself in me. Seek after God's kingdom. Seek after my righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Now, when we fellowship with God, there are two things we experience and enjoy in the place of fellowship. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. 
Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 15. There are two things we enjoy and experience every time we fellowship with God. There are two things we enjoy and experience in the place of fellowship. Now, Second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14 is a very popular verse of the Bible, which we always quote when we finish praying most times in Christian gardens. It says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. In other words, it says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul is ending his letter to the church in Corinth. And he says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Now, one of the things we have known by study is the fact that the communion of the Holy Spirit is the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God are two things that we experience and enjoy in the place of communion of the Holy Ghost. And so, as we fellowship with God, there are two things we experience and enjoy. One is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. The other is the love of God. For example, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, I believe around verse 5, it says, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost given unto us. So, we experience the love of God. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So, when we commune with the Holy Ghost, which is the Spirit of God, when we commune with God, there's something that happens. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. But not just that, we also experience the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. As we commune with God, as we fellowship with him, as we interact with him, we enjoy the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, today I want to focus on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not be talking about the love of God, but I want to focus on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this one thing we enjoy as we fellowship with God. Now, what is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Second Corinthians chapter eight verse nine. Second Corinthians chapter eight verse nine. What is the What is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ? Now, the Bible says in Second Corinthians chapter eight verse nine, it says, "For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ." That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Now, realize that when we read the second Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, Paul says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. And I'll say to you that we have understood through scriptures that the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ are two things we experience and enjoy in the place of communion with God, of fellowshipping with God. Now, today I want to focus more on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, and I begin to say to us that what is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 defines the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor. That you through his poverty might be rich. So he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, that though Jesus was rich, yet he became poor, that through his poverty he might be rich. Now, being rich means to be wealthy in all things. It's a state of completeness. It's a state of completeness with permanent results. So he says that though Jesus was complete in all things, he, he, he became poor. He deprived himself of that position so that we through his poverty might become rich, might become complete with permanent results. So, be rich means to be rich in all things, to be wealthy in all things. So, it says, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the definition of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is how that Jesus, though he was complete in all things, though he had all things, though he possessed all things, he became poor, so that we through his poverty might become complete and have permanent results. So, Jesus became poor, so that through his poverty, we might become complete. We might become rich and wealthy in all things. He says this is the definition of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Paul says in the place of fellowship, there's something we experience because it's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He now says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, that we know that grace. We know the grace. We know how the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ works. And he says this is how it works. This is how it was revealed to us. How that though Jesus was rich, though he was complete in all things, though he had permanent results, though he was wealthy in all things, he became poor. So that we through his poverty, we may have become rich, we may be complete in all things and have permanent results. So that is what the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is. 
how that he has enriched us. He has enriched us through his own poverty. And he has made us to be complete in all things. He has given us a permanent completeness. He has made us perfect in all things. He has made us complete in all things. He says, this is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this grace is something we enjoy in the place of fellowship. Now, the same Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8. Let me show something that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ does to us. Now, we saw it out that he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 14. He says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship, the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you now and forevermore. So it, it lets us know that there are two things we experience and enjoy in the place of fellowship with God. Number one is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two is the love of God. Now, and I will show, show us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 the definition of what the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ means to us, how it was revealed to us. Paul says we know the grace of our Lord Jesus. We know it by revelation. And that though Jesus was rich, though he was complete in all things, though he had permanent results, though he was rich in all things, he became poor. So that we through his poverty, we might become rich in all things. We might become complete and have permanent results. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, from verse 8, we are going to read verse 8 and verse 11. Look at what it says. It says, Paul begins to tell the church in Corinth in verse 8 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. Now, Paul begins to tell them what the grace of God can do in their life. Because he tells us that in the place of fellowship, we can enjoy the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is revealed to us through what Jesus did on the cross. And that though he was rich, though he was complete in all things, though he was worthy in all things, he became poor. So that we through his poverty might be made Now, Paul now begins to tell them in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 8, one of the abilities, he begins to show them one of the abilities of the grace of God, one of the enablements of the grace of God. And he says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. In other words, he's saying that God is able to make all his grace, he is able to channel all his grace towards us. God is able to make all grace abound towards us. He's able to channel all his grace towards us. So that we always having all sufficiency in all things may abound unto every good work. In other words, Paul is saying that God is able, God has the ability to channel all his grace in our direction so that we have sufficiency in all things and we are bound unto every good work, lacking nothing good, lacking behind in nothing. He says God is able to make all grace abound towards us. God is able to channel all his grace in our direction. But this grace is enjoyed and experienced in the place of fellowship. He says God is able to channel that grace towards us so that we having sufficiency in all things, we can abound unto every good work. It doesn't stop there. In verse 11 of 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he says, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness. Letting you know that this enrichment is not just in financial resources. He says, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which was through us, thanks given to God. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, that God is able to make all grace. In other words, he's able to make all his grace. He's able to channel all his grace in our direction so that we can have sufficiency in all things and abound unto every good work. He now says in verse 11 that being enriched in everything. In other words, we are enriched in all things, in everything to all bountifulness, which causes us through us thanksgiving to God. So Paul is saying that 
God has the ability to channel all his grace in our direction so that we can have sufficiency in all things and abound unto every good of You know, at this juncture, I just want us to begin to declare in the name of Jesus that we enjoy the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We experience the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ as we fellowship with God, that God makes all grace to abound towards us. God channels all his grace in our direction so that we can have sufficiency in all things and abound unto every good work. In the name of Jesus, we declare in the name of Jesus that God takes all down. That our garners may be full, affording all manner of stock. That our sheep may bring four thousands and ten thousand in our street. That our oxen may be strong to labor. That there be no breaking in or going out. That there be no complaining in our street. How is it happy is that people that in such a case? Yet happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Now, we're going to be, be praying from verse 12. It says that our sons may be as plants grown up in his youth. Now, all these things he says in verse 12 to 15, they are effects of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. When the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is upon us, there are certain things that begin to happen in our homes and our lives. He says that our sons will be as plants grown up in their youth. Our daughters will be as cornerstones, polished after the similitude of the Father. So, I want us to start praying from verse 12. I just want us to defend the name of Jesus, that our sons are as plants grown up in their youth, and that our daughters are as cornerstones, Police after the similitude of the palace because of the effect of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that has been channeled in our direction. Can we just begin to declare in the name of Jesus?